me. It's okay. You might be called nigger one day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. Honestly, it's okay. It's okay. You might be called insert thing that would be upsetting one day, but guess what? It's okay. Yeah, how about that? That was a little snippet. A little snippet from uh, a very, 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 very epic album that I spent the past month working on. And it's complete. It's finished. And it's, uh, it's with... It's with the voice, you know? It's over there, and uh, yeah, that's what's up. So, uh, yeah, prayers, prayers, let's, let's pray that, uh, you know, that, that it comes. <laughs> that it all comes together beautifully. How about that? I think it will, I think it will. I think it will. I think everything's gonna be okay, how about you? You know, it's a beautiful day. I, get, I got hit by a car this week. That was pretty cool. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> um, ever since I moved to America, there's been one thing about America that's kind of bugged me. And in America, they have this thing that at a cross light, when as a pedestrian, you can cross the road. If that's next to a corner, cars can still come around the corner and through the crossing, even though it's on a pedestrian light and pedestrians are crossing. And the idea, I guess, is that the people driving the cars, like, wait until no pedestrians are crossing and then go through, just never mind what the light's doing. This, like, relies far too much on uh, the competence of humans, frankly. And uh, anyway, you know, that's always... I've always been a bit weirded out by those. And anyway, it finally happened. Uh, day before yesterday, it was. Uh, I'd been out running some errands, and I was on one of those e-scooters. Shouts out to South Park, who did a great episode called The, B the Scoots about e-scooters we could talk more about that in a minute anyway so i'm like trundling across the pedestrian crossing just at pedestrian speed with other pedestrians but on this e-scooter trundle trundle and then in, in the way this always happens in slow motion for me i don't know if it does for you whenever anything like this happens it's in slow motion if like someone's about to attack me everything suddenly goes slow motion if like uh, a dog Looks like it's about to attack my child. Everything goes slow motion. It's like Deadeye from Red Dead is real. It's like it's real. Anyway, so I, I look, I sort of look up and I see a car and it's coming towards me. And I think, well, this is a pedestrian crossing and it's going to stop. And I'm like, oh, it's not stopping. And then in slow motion, I'm like, oh, it's hitting me. And I'm like, oh, it's crushing the e-scooter. Like, oh, it's dragging the e-scooter under its wheel. Ah, uh, and then, um, yeah, and I managed to kind of like sort of hop clear before it did too much damage to me. And, uh, yeah, I was very lucky, man, because if I hadn't been on that e-scooter, it would have just smashed my leg into little bits and I would have a smashed up into little bits leg. As it is, it just like, you know, was sprained or something. I don't know. I rest in it for a couple of days. And I'm cool. I'm totally cool. Oh, my God. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So shouts out to that. Shouts out to uh, the driver was really nice. He was like really upset. He came running out and he was he was hugging me and he had all tears in his eyes and he kept thanking Christ that we were all alive and shit. Bless him. He was he was very shooketh. He was shooketh upeth. There was like a woman on the curb going, "He better stop, otherwise that's a hidden run." He stopped. Uh, thank you, Jorek Deliat, for that one euro super chat. That was very nice of you. Shouts out. Uh, shout out to everyone locked in on the chat. Alexander is having a rough evening. 
The stream has already made me smile. Thanks, Akira and everyone. Well, yo, baby. Big up you. And uh, I hope things improve for you. But hey, we're all here, man. You know, what, what could be better? We're all here together. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a joy and a privilege. Yes, it is. Kara uh, Brennan. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. Sync life. Happy birthday. So glad you're in the world and contributing your wonderful art. Well, I'm glad you're here, Kara. Happy birthday. You bad motherfucker. You happy birthday. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I'm not supposed to be swearing, am I? Forgot about that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, YouTube Hero Alex is out there moderating. Big up him. Appreciate you. Tower One Power. He's in the chat. Tower One Power, man, used to come like to the Doncast streams back when this was the Doncast and I lived in Hackney Wick. Stuff like that, man. Tower One Power is old school. If any of you new people like want to know what it used to be like back in the day, ask Tower One Power and he will give you the Grandpa Simpson uh, explanation. <laughs> Yo, uh, Nirvana, a Radiohead, asks, my question would be, how do you reconcile the knowledge from Eastern figures and Western traditions? For example, do you feel a conflict between Alan Watts and Jordan or Jocko in some areas? Of course! Of course! Someone left a comment the other day on, uh, on the most recent Watts Wave music video, which is fantastic, by the way. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out. It's really dope. Um, and that was created by a fan. By the way, a very a very professional um, fan. <laughs> Shut up, you. And uh, yeah, loads of people really liked that video. I'm glad you really liked it. By the way, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been upping the production of individual track videos, which is something we've been wanting to do for a while, and people have been asking for. So I'll kind of we've been doing that. And uh, yeah, we dropped three this week, I think. And yeah, the Alan Watts one, don't do it. This was created by Alexander Kesselar. And uh, it's all his footage that he shot. It's this amazing drone footage, and he and he's manipulated it in a really sick fashion, and it really works with the song. The song is called "Don't Do It," and I guess the song is kind of about like a lot of Alan Watts things. It's a bit like you know, don't take shit too seriously, man. <laughs> you know, it's not that serious. Uh, it's like a really, really simplistic way of looking at the message of that thing. And you could say that the message of some of some of the other people is, you know, do take it seriously. Your life is serious. Only you can save mankind. Who said that? That was me. But, um, you know, one of the common themes across some of these speakers is that you are far more important than you think. That you being the best version of yourself is far more critical than you might imagine. Uh, it only takes one person to completely change the course of humankind's history. We've seen this many times in our history. These singular figures, these powerful figures who do something and it changes everything. Nikolai Tesla, Elon Musk, Akira the Don. <laughs> and uh, so these would seem to be conflicting ideas. Don't take shit seriously. You're going to die. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus it all matters. It all does. But both of these things are true. And the reason that both of these things are true is because without light, there is no shadow and vice versa. And duality is the truth of things. And uh, this is why the this is why the ending of Game of Thrones is so dreadful. This is why the TV, what the TV show has done to George R. R. Martin's uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, is fundamentally so bad because what they turned it into is a song of ice versus fire. 
But it's not a song of ice versus fire. It's a song of ice and fire. Duality. Both at once. Both complementary. Both necessary. Seemingly, that at times that's, that doesn't make sense. At times it's like, no, one's evil and one's good. Da, 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 da. But when you zoom out, you see that everything is a duality and everything requires everything else to exist. And that's part of what's going on with these, these meaning waves. That's part of what I'm trying to get across is... Um, that you know we all have our parts to play and uh there is great import in everything and uh and we must look at these problems from multiple angles so that we may find the truth you know and uh a sort of real world example of that shall we say is everything you do is deeply important and only you can save mankind and, and uh you know it's critical that you're the best version of yourself but at the same time you must relax you mustn't take it all so seriously because then you won't have any fun, then you won't enjoy anything, uh, then you, you won't feel the significance of, of powerful things in your life that really do have value and import, like family and things of that nature. And you may squander all those important things, chasing after your, your purported mission. You may squander that time with your son or your wife or your husband. You may squander those beautiful moments just watching a sunset. And if you do not understand those aspects of humanity, then your cause will become lost. And uh, the purpose for your cause will be lost. And then you might end up doing something really dark, like uh, burning King's Landing to the ground, seemingly for no reason, with no, with no build-up. I mean, that would suck. Uh, what's going on in the chat? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Dakota says, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the story of Job all talk about this in depth. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I kind of want to do a Bible wave. How about that? Christianity is deeply Eastern, says Dakota. Here's the thing, all of the, yeah, everything is in everything, and, and all of those messages are to be found. They're to be found. You can find them. I keep freaking myself out because I'll be finding the same messages in seemingly completely conflicting areas. And then, uh, you know, I found, for example, there's an upcoming, I don't like giving too much stuff away, but I've, there's a Watts record that's coming up, and he's essentially saying pretty much the same stuff as Jocko Willink in it. And you're like, oh, Alan Watts, wasn't he some kind of like Eastern bizarro nihilist who thought that nothing mattered and you should just like lie around all day watching butterflies? Well, no, actually, no, no. Some people get that impression, perhaps from only listening to one or two of his things. Yes. Anyway, much, much incoming. What's going on with you guys? What's going on with you guys? Nirvana 8 Radio has, says ice and fire, ice versus fire. Beautiful analogy. Yo, that's the truth, though, right? Because that's what they've done. It's just turned into this big, stupid battle game of thrones that is i could really really this whole podcast could be mo me moaning about game of thrones and maybe it will be maybe it will be but you know it's uh it's we're just a couple of days from the final episode and uh maybe i should leave my thoughts until then i don't know i'm pretty much like uh i'm robert baratheon on his deathbed at this point i'm just like give me something for the pain and let me die just let it be over with let it be done let it be done. A song of annoyance and subversion. Subversion, ladies and gentlemen. Subversion, the curse of contemporary literature. I have at this point from, from here, I've sworn off uh, fiction. <laughs> New fiction. I'm not doing any more. I'm going to go through an extended period now of revisiting the classics. My wife bought me a Kindle for my birthday. 
and I download the first two books I downloaded are classics. I downloaded Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, and I downloaded Norm Macdonald's Based on a True Story. So I'm going to read those, and I'm just going to read classic stuff, and I'm not going to bother wasting my time on contemporary nonsense because we've got another year of this nihilist cycle to get through before it reaches peak nihilism. How about that, by the way? I've been talking about this, right, for a long time. This seven-year cycle between dark and light, between sort of hippie psychedelia and punk nihilism. And so it would make complete sense that the finale of Game of Thrones, they decide to just go full-blown nihilist. Nothing matters. Nothing ever mattered. All those things you thought mattered, they didn't matter. You're an idiot. Nothing matters. Ja like uh, Jamie Lannister, his epic journey, everything he went through, Ah, he's just the same as he was at the beginning. Nothing mattered. Oh, the Hound, everything he went through, even in the last season. His brother, his brother who he hated since birth, he saw what had happened to his brother and he said, uh, Brother, I feel sorry for you. He'd grown as a person. Nope, nope, wreck on that. Nothing mattered. Back where you were at the beginning. Nothing matters, because that nothing matters in nihilism. Nihilism is, is uh, about the most boring ideology on earth. It's, it's a very boring, pathetic ideology, devoid... Of, uh, of responsibility and meaning. It is the antithesis of what we do here at the Church of Meaning. And, uh, and it's, it's overtaken popular culture and it's just deeply, deeply boring. It's deeply boring, ladies and gentlemen. Even Avengers Endgame. I'm talking here about sort of cultural, the stories that, that have gripped our culture. Stories grip our culture, and they still do. Remember we had uh, Eric Weinstein was in here, and he was talking about how the issue, one of the issues of this internet age when we're all split up into these different places is that we don't have these cultural moments anymore cooler water cultural moments that we all talk about what we and i said well there's memes so we do and you know game of thrones is one avengers endgame was one yeah here's the thing you know no matter how dreadful uh, game of thrones has gotten the memes are fantastic the memes are still fantastic they're actually even better now that it's dreadful <laughs> i think a game of thrones might be the final television show of great cultural importance i think it might be the last one because a lot of the viewers are grandfathered in since like before before cable kind of collapsed since before everyone switched uh not everyone before a lot a great deal of people switched over to streaming services for example so people you know a lot of people only get who get hbo as a streaming service only get it for game of thrones and once game of thrones is gone they're gone which is why they're making five prequels. The new owners of HBO are insistent that Game of Thrones is on at all times. But, for example, the first prequel is The Long Night, which is based on the story of the White Walkers the first time they came to Westeros. But we know what happened, what the White Walkers are now. We know what kind of a threat they are. They're the kind of threat that can be dealt with by a noisy 12-year-old jumping out of a tree, screaming. Like, wow. That's, so no one's going to watch that. No one wants to watch that. Uh, but yes, the set, please elaborate on the seven-year cycle, says Jack Farr. I've heard you speak about it with Peterson, and I'm really interested, as I had noticed something similar. Yeah, I mean, what I said on the Peterson podcast is the simple version, which is that every seven years, culture oscillates between uh, so what you could... Uh, sh a shorthand to describe it would be punk and hippie. Uh, dark and light, culturally. And uh, as uh, the late Andrew Breitbart noticed... 
politics is downstream from culture, I would elaborate on that and say everything is downstream from culture. And that's why stories are so important. And that's why there's been, so you, you had this kind of building thing for, the, for a number of years, people who were, with regards to Game of Thrones, people who weren't happy with the deviations from the book, people who were like, well, this doesn't make any sense. This destroys all manner of stuff. And people were like, yeah, but it still looks really cool and there's great battles and big dragons. So shut up, hater, enjoy it for what it is. Even a lot of those people by this point are like, damn, man, this is dreadful. My suspension of disbelief can only suspend so far before the elastic snaps and the underwear that is that suspension goes flying off into the traffic and comes back again and whacks me in the balls. Jesus Christ, sweet Jesus, pray. Pray for calm. I pray for calm. But there are still people who are like, oh, oh, oh you babies, oh, babies, it's just a story. Oh, it's just a story. Oh, man, if you can believe in dragons, why can't you believe in, like, people being able to teleport across giant swathes of land and people completely abandoning all of their their meaning, their, their morality and their character? Look, man, stories are far more important than you think, fucko. Stories are what everything is made out of. We are made out of stories. Everything is made out of stories. Stories are what we use to describe the indescribable. Music does this also. You know, the best music is a form of story. We are made of stories, man, and the stories we tell each other are so important. And our giant cultural stories are incredibly important. And as, you know, as, as Western spirituality dies, as, as people stop going to church and things of that nature, those great big stories that for a while were told in church, they weren't always. Before that, they were told around campfires. And they, were, they were in the oral tradition. And they're the same stories we've told each other since the beginning. And they're the stories that help us to become the best versions of ourselves and remind us of our potential. These stories are very important. The stories of dark and light, of evil, and, and, uh, and the opposite of evil, of heroism and of, of weakness, and all of these things. These things hold us together. These things remind us of what we could be. These things give us purpose and meaning and direction. They explain what science cannot. They explain what materialism cannot. Stories are so fucking important. And when you take these powerful stories and you deliberately subvert them for nothing more than cheap shock value, to, to second guess people on the internet who might have guessed your outcome. So, oh, well, we're going to switch it up to this because they would have never seen that coming because it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. God damn it. When you do that, you fuck with the fabric of being, fucko. You fuck with the universe itself. You fuck with people. You fuck with the foundation upon which societies and people stand. That's what you do. And then people feel giddy and, and awash. And they, feel, they feel like, like uh, bad pirates. Bad pirates lost at sea on strange oceans who've forgotten how to be pirates who aren't even sure they're pirates anymore at all. Shouts out to Euron Greyjoy, who, uh, who in the books is, uh, has an eye patch and ties people to the front of his boat and uh, disembowels people and is a crazy pirate magician and is a wonderful character and on the TV show is a gurning muppet. Because subversion. Yes. Daduta says there's a million ways to tell the hero's journey without subverting it. Well, yes. Sir Peppers, was this stream spontaneous? I didn't see any promo. Yes, it was, my brother. It was spontaneous, and that's why you, who normally hand over questions, did not hand over questions. Yeah. 
Pitch, pitch, pitch says whenever a medium gets corrupt beyond redemption and eventually dies, it later gets reclaimed as part of an underground culture. I wonder how pirate television will look like. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what's going on. Uh, the comic book industry is about to collapse under the weight of a similar kind of nonsense. And we'll be reborn again. And uh, all of these things will be reborn again. But uh, yeah, Game of Thrones is the last is the last cultural event television show because it was grandfathered in from before the digital age and all those people wanted to see how it ended and <laughs> now they know now they know expectations subverted i expected something good um yeah and there won't be another one netflix is about to die netflix is going to die under the weight of its own uh algorithmic uh kind of uh precision it's about to die under the weight of algorithmic precision twinned with ideological corruption, uh, twinned with uh, a lack of true capitalist free market competition. It's got, it's got like a clusterfuck of things that are going to destroy it. Because uh, while Netflix was early and it was smart, it's now, there's now great competition from everyone. Everyone and their grandmother has a streaming service. The problem is the streaming wars are not being fought on the boundaries of uh, superior product. They're being fought along the lines of exclusive content. So it's just like, well, I'm going to get that one because I want to watch that, and I'm going to get that one because I want to watch that. So when a streaming service doesn't have stuff that you want to watch on it, you're not going to pay for it. Piracy is rising again. You know, It's up 35% this year. It had been declining for years because it was like, oh, what's the point of pirating? I can go to Netflix and watch loads of stuff or whatever it is. But now, you know, What's on Netflix that you want to watch? Unless you're part of this algorithmically targeted demographic. The, the algorithms have said, well, that person likes the Kardashians and they're like, cheers, so let's make a show for those people. But you, that's twinned with an ideological sort of perversion. Uh, the mind control virus that's been going around that's weird. Um, you, that's been attached to the algorithm. So they're kind of destroying their own algorithm. Because the algorithm knows what the people want, but then they twin that with the uh, ideological subversion, and it creates stuff that people don't want, and they don't want to pay for it. So you're now in this situation where there's like 50 streaming services, and one of them's got Batman on it, and one of them's got Spider-Man on it, and one of them's got Game of Thrones on it, and people are just going to pay for the thing that's got the thing, most of the thing they want to watch on it, and people are going to start pirating again. Uh, until you realize that you need to do it in the same way that the music streaming companies are doing it. Because the music streaming companies tried that for a bit. They tried the exclusive model. A Drake album exclusively on iTunes, on, on Apple Music, and uh, whoever else's album exclusively on Spotify. And they found that people didn't really want to pay for multiple streaming services. And actually, they would just go listen to something else. And the artists quickly discovered, oh, yikes, we're losing, we're losing listeners here. This is not sustainable. So they don't do that anymore. So now the streaming services are kind of battling it out on being a better streaming service. And Spotify keeps implementing all these new improvements and making itself better. And Apple keeps trying to reply and do better playlists or whatever it is. So that seems a better model. And uh, I think the same, will, the same thing's going to happen to the streaming services. Netflix is probably going to die because it spent so much goddamn money making so many god-awful terrible shows that nobody wants to watch. Same thing with Amazon, but Amazon's got a bottomless pit of money from uh, people buying crap they don't need off Amazon. Anyway, um, what's going on in the chat? I should probably answer some questions. Would you consider Dr. Rupert Sheldrake? 
Uh, Sheldrake is on my radar, on my list. I love Sheldrake, yes. Don, watch a short cartoon called Man Who Planted Trees. You will like it. Okay, thanks. Please leave it in one of the Discord places. I might see it there. Uh, Daduta, do you think losing the creative touch is inevitable for an artist? No. Nothing is inevitable uh, for an artist with regards to creative potential. It's very easy to squander creative potential. People do it all the time. Uh, by disconnecting themselves from the thing that allowed them to become conduits for the source, as Jack Kirby called it, the source. That was ripped off by uh, by the great, have I forgotten his name? George Lucas for the force in Star Wars, by the way. Um, yes. Oh, that was it. Trishy and Stout says Disney may beat out Netflix. I meant to get to that thing. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, Disney are doing their own streaming service. And frankly, Disney has more content that people want to watch than Netflix. Disney has all the Marvel stuff. It has all their own Disney stuff. It has all the Star Wars stuff. It just bought Fox, so it's got all the Fox stuff, Alien. What else has Fox got? Star other stuff. I mean, I don't really like anything. <laughs> Here's an Alien was another great example, right? The last time I got so, like disappointed by a story was prometheus it was prometheus and i stayed up till five in the morning on message boards for years like reading theorizing like looking at like little leaks of artwork and set design and stuff and getting so excited because the because the story of the original alien the mythology uh, the universe it suggested, the stories it suggested were so rich and vivid and vibrant and they were so linked to something primal and true and real in the human soul. And that was, uh, a lot of that was what Giga did with his, cre with his creature design and his planet design and world design. And a lot of it was the stuff that they took from the kind of ancient alien thing. And that so much was just barely hinted at and it left so much room for the, your own imagination to fill in the blanks. And your own imagination is connected to the source and it knows what happened. So it fills in with truth a lot of the time. But then Prometheus, you know, came out and it was, uh, it was the same thing as Game of Thrones. And I just realized it's partly because it had a bunch of the same ideology, which was... Uh, it was the guy who wrote... What was his name? The guy who wrote Prometheus... Wasn't he involved in Lost and all that stuff as well? And J.J. Abrams' world. Which is basically a world of mining nostalgia and then adding subversion to it. To be like, haha, see, it's kind of original. We've just taken this thing that was great and we've, we've slightly rearranged it and we've like stuck our logo on it and we're going to switch, subvert the ending. And wow, now it's original. But anyway, yeah, I was, I was so, so excited for Prometheus because I love stories, man, and they talk to my soul. And that was an ancient story that really meant a lot to me. And then the movie was, was beautiful and incredibly shot, and this, it looked incredible, but the story made no sense. The characters weren't real people. They were just plot points that just sort of lurched around nonsensically. And, and I, can't, I can't do that personally. And, you know, may, maybe... Maybe I think about things too much. Maybe some of my friends, I have a friend, for example, who's like, can't you just enjoy it for what it is? You know, I enjoy it for what it is. It's just, you know, I just, I don't think about it too hard. You know, ignorance is bliss, man. But I can't do it yet. Maybe it's, maybe it's a skill to learn. Maybe that's a skill. Maybe that's a skill. Uh, Dadita, are you a fan of Moebius and Jodrowski? Of course. Of course. Moebius designed a lot of the original designs for the first Alien film. 
before Giga got involved. I think it was before Giga got involved, and they were sick. Yeah. Uh, yes. Mark Pennington, member berries from South Park. Exactly. South Park really nailed all that. I re I watched the most recent series of South Park recently, and um, after I got home from DJing, I watched watched a bunch of it. It's so good. Holy shit! They have these two episodes back to back that are absolutely fantastic. Some of the greats, some of the television greats, the uh, the vaping one and the one about e-scooters, and it's called the Birds, and it's based on sorry, it's called the Scoots, but it's based on Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, and it's so great. It makes this great point that I'd thought about. It was like one day we were all wandering along, like normal, and then one day we woke up and our towns were full of e-scooters. Nobody consulted us. Nobody said it was going to happen. It's just one day we woke up and it was e-scooter universe. Like we'd fallen through a wormhole into another reality where one day we'd made a decision that led to e-scooters. In the same way I like to think that one day around the end of season four, beginning of season five of Game of Thrones, we fell through a wormhole into some Elseworld what-if universe where everybody was a moron and nothing mattered. We just fell through a wormhole into the moron nihilism universe. So hopefully, hopefully we'll fall back. But yeah, like no one asked us, what the hell? These bloody Silicon Valley companies, they just get to decide, you know what? We're going to dump vehicles on the streets everywhere across America. I don't know. Is this just America, by the way? Do you have these things in Europe? I do not know. Uh, Lex. Hey, what up, Lex? Shouts out to the mighty Lex. 1791 is in the chat. He says, cool color wheel. Thank you. That's my harmony wheel. That tells me what uh, what what chords, sorry, what um, what song keys are harmonically compatible, compatible. Because I make I make sure all my songs are harmonically compatible. Don't know if any of you know this, right? But all of my albums are harmonically compatible. That means if you play them in sequence, the songs match together harmonically. So this is something you would only notice subconsciously, but it's a, it's a way more pleasing experience than otherwise. Julian Chow says, how do you keep being so creative? Yo, this goes back to what we were talking about and we never finished. Because I would veered off on a tangent. Because this is a completely spontaneous, unplanned stream. Um, what was I talking about? Yo, well, like I said, I've been doing this, this uh, experiment since last February. So we're, we're over a year in. And the idea was to get in the zone and not leave. There, there, there comes a thing when you're creating. Once you've been creating for a while, you suddenly find yourself in, if you're lucky, you suddenly find yourself in the zone. And everything, everything just works and flows and time speeds down and slows up and stops having, and, and becomes its own universe in a, in a way that it really is. But you notice it or you don't notice it. And everything works. And it's just beautiful. You'll do a thing like, just randomly hit a guitar and the sound it makes works perfectly with the song you're currently working on things of that nature uh your computer will crash or throw up a random page and this bit of music will start playing fits perfectly with your song the word you'll see signs flashing in the streets in the night sky and the signs will speak to you and they'll be like the title of the song you're working on or a line from something you need to know whatever it is the cities speak to you brothers and sisters and um Anyway, I was like, well, how, what, would I, what would happen if I worked out a way of just staying in this, in this zone, staying in flow? What if I worked out a way of just staying here and never leading, never leaving? <laughs> so I decided to do that. And that's what I've been doing. And the way I do that is I just keep moving like a shark. Sharks keep moving even when they're asleep. Otherwise, they die. 
So I keep moving, I keep doing stuff, I keep working. And, I, and also I keep working on harmoniously. The way I just said that my songs all work together harmoniously, right? My, my projects do also. So each project works harmoniously with the last and the one that's coming up. And they also work harmoniously in clusters if you zoom out. The albums work harmoniously with the other albums and then the, the, the batches of albums work harmoniously with the other batches of albums. Right, so I keep moving, I stay moving, I work with things in harmony, I don't stop working, I keep, because I noticed this a long time ago, when I was a music journalist, I noticed that albums by, uh, the first album by a band would often be just infinitely superior to the second, and one of the reasons I realized was they'd be essentially in flow, they'd be in the zone for the first album, they'd have been, the band would be, have been rehearsing in their garage for years, and, and they'd be very together, and uh, then the record company would send them on tour for two years. They'd get rich. They'd start staying in hotels separately, get girlfriends, all that. And they'd, they'd forget how to work together. They'd fall out of the zone. And then they'd try to get back in the zone, and they wouldn't know how. So a lot of times, the, their second albums would be terrible, you know? So that's what I've been doing. And um, what was the question following that? Do you ever take breaks from your rituals? These are, that's, let's see, these are rituals. And um, I don't take too many breaks to be honest sometimes sometimes god forces breaks on me <laughs> like uh he had me hit by a car a couple of days ago so i had to i couldn't go to the studio for a couple of days i had to sit there with my leg up so it kind of forced me to have a birthday you know <laughs> i know it's good but um I, you know it's a constant state of learning and what we've been learning me and my wife and, and my son uh is that the hyper productivity needs to breathe a bit and, uh, you know, the times with family is very important and times to reflect is very important. So balancing, keeping working with also, you know, doing doing these family things like going into nature, going for walks, spending quality time. The what tends to happen, I think people will fuck it up. They'll go really, really hard on a thing, then destroy themselves. Then they'll like take an extended break. And then the extended break, you know, they'll get really into being in an extended break and the luxury of not having to do anything. And then they can fall out of the zone. So I think it's a case of sort of like uh, siestas. I think siestas. You know, so you, keep, so you keep moving. You keep those muscles. Muscles atrophy, right, if you don't use them. And the same applies to your mental muscles, your creative muscles, your idea muscles, all these things. I remember James Altucher saying, you know, his... Talking about how ideas were going to become the 21st century currency. Since everyone would have access to the same, essentially to the means of production. You know, everyone would be able to have their own YouTube channel. Everyone can write. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket. Like, your ideas become the most important thing. Because everyone else, everyone's got all that stuff. That doesn't make you special. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a recording studio. Everyone's got access to Splice, whatever it is. You know, your ideas are what sets you apart. So to develop your idea muscle, he's like, you know, just write down five ideas every day. Write down like five movie script ideas, five ideas to save the universe, five ideas for things to do in space, five ideas for fun days out to have with your mother. Just keep writing ideas down and keep doing that and keep doing that. And your idea muscle will grow and grow and grow. And then you'll become amazing at shitting out ideas and you'll be able to do it in any situation. You'll be in a lift with somebody and you'll be able to just give them five ideas to improve their life. Boom, like that. And... Uh, I've been doing that, by the way, and it really works. And uh, yeah, so just keep, you know, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. Make sure you're doing every day, even when you're taking a break. 
Make sure that you're doing like one thing that keeps you in the zone, that keeps you attached, that keeps you tethered to that space, right? That magical space. Because you just want to be in that space forever, man. I've really noticed no downsides of being in that space. I've been in a very magical space for a long time now. Magical things happen all the time. The, uh, you know, that thing happened last week. It was so crazy. Let me grab it. Uh, the fine gentleman at 1791, uh, Lex and Christian, sent me a beautiful t-shirt. So I wanted to take a picture of me wearing the t-shirt for them. So I set up my little camera and it was over there in the corner and my Akira, my copy of Akira that my friend Stanley bought me in Spanish was there. And I was like, oh, let me have a look at this. And it just flopped open at a page. And the random page it flopped open at, the first thing my eye saw was a speech bubble that said Don. It was, that's such a crazy thing to happen. That's like a billion and a one chance of that happening. Shit like that happens every day. Every day, when you're in the zone, when you stay in the zone. <laughs> uh, Vol Volk's Medicine says, Dali would hold a spoon in nap until it hit the ground. Yes, he would. Um, I went through a little period of experimenting with sleep deprivation. There's a few people who think that you should just only sleep as much as you really need. And um, some people throughout history tried this and yeah. Um, some people, I've heard that attributed to Einstein as well, but I think it was Dali, that what he would do was, uh, he would like have a ring, no, you'd have a coin in his hand, I think it was, and he would sit on his chair and have a little nap. And the second he actually fell asleep, his hand would relax and the coin would fall into a metal bowl and that would wake him up. Then he would quickly write down whatever the fuck was he was dreaming about. And then he would have that, you know. A lot of great artists over the years have used dream state and things like that to like get their ideas. Uh, Graham Hancock went and did some ayahuasca and just downloaded a series of novels. <laughs> he just went and did ayahuasca once and he got a series of novels and he went home and wrote them. It's amazing. I've written songs in dreams. I've woken up from dreams and like hummed into my phone something, a song that I'd just written in, in my dream. And then next day I'll have that song in my Evernote and it's a real song and it's really good. Like, this is one of those things that we do not know the capacity of. And one day we'll be able to really actively... It's because we haven't tried, I think. We haven't really worked on it. You know, we will. We'll work on it. And we'll be able to mine our dreams for uh, reality. And imagine how much more magical reality we'll get when we're all doing that. Holy shit! Yo. Uh, Alexandra King says, I used to open the Bible like that. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. I used to open the Bible like that, too. Um, sometimes I still do if I'm in a place with the Bible. You know, I was always a big Hunter S. Thompson fan. And Hunter S. Thompson got a lot of his inspiration from Gideon Bibles. He, used to, he always used to shout out the Gideons because he'd be in random hotel rooms. And they'd all have a Gideon Bible. And he'd let that Gideon Bible flop open and there would be a paragraph of just amazing biblical just language. You know, the language in the Bible is, is very exciting and powerful. And that was a big, big exp uh, inspiration on Hunter. And I think it's a great thing to do in general. And it's kind of a good way of approaching life. You know, let the book flop open where it may and, and just use what's there. I used to do that with sampling. Uh, me and my old DJ Bird Dog, we used to go to charity shops and we would do sort of blind each other and shit and just pick up piles of records. And we'd take the records home and we'd put them on the turntable and we'd just drop the needle. And wherever the needle landed, we would sample from that point and make a song. 
you know and uh sometimes we would do that with writing songs i would just like let a comic flop open and the first panel i saw that would be the basis of the idea for the song and you can do that in every aspect of life and again if you're in the zone you know if, if you're in a state of flow you'll start to see great meaning in these seemingly random occurrences and random activities and and uh yeah you know it's it's all there it's all there I've heard Stephen King's books were based on some of his dreams, as Alex Gaganon. The, you know, Stephen King's a guy who's been in flow seemingly for decades, right? I don't know if he is right now. Right now, it seems he spends a lot of time being angry about politics on Twitter, and I don't think that's very good for flow. But prior to the invention of Twitter, Stephen King was, like, shitting out two books a year or something. Terry Pratchett, right? Genius. Genius. I don't think people give him the respect he deserves. Terry Pratchett released so much material. He was dropping so many books and he just stayed in the state of writing. He stayed in the discipline, the discipline of writing. You know, there's a lot of psychonauts out there who talk about mining the psychedelic experience, right? Um, and those who did it truly great, tr truly usefully, sorry, uh, the likes of McKenna were very disciplined. Terence McKenna was a very disciplined psychonaut. Discipline is a big necessary part of all this stuff and that's one of the reasons I focus so much on some of the disciplinarian characters in our in our current god landscape the the jocko the goggins the peterson dean dart says i've been inspired by frederick nietzsche where he writes about how psychedelics have profoundly influenced his writing and speaks at length about then that thought trails off De philosophy deeply how do you think about psychedelics affect us after using these substances psychedelics are uh, a way of navigating places that we're not usually habiting, shall we say. They're places you can get to via other means. There are other, you know, if there are all these maps. There are other ways to get to these places. One of these ways is death. Another way is near death. Uh, meditation. Dancing. You can find yourself dancing for like seven hours to drum and bass and then entering a place that not the hitherto you may have only been able to access via, you know, a particularly heroic dose. These are places and they exist and psychedelics help us to find them. Uh, Bill Hicks used to talk about the squidging of the third eye. You know, you're, the idea that you're, you're not creating something. You're just revealing something that was hitherto unseen to you. And there's good reason for this, and it's because shit is so complicated, and there are so many dimensions, and there's so much going on, and we're quite limited beings compared to the potential and what's actually there. You know, when we we have people amongst us, they call them autistic, or they call, they give them, they think they're ill or whatever, but these people who just have access to to stuff that most of us don't have access to because it would drive us mad or we wouldn't be able to cope with it. You know, the man can... I, it took me a long time to learn to rub my tummy and pat my head at the same time. And I'm not really doing it. The hand at the top is kind of trying to do a circle. It's very difficult for a person to do two things at once. And the nature of all these myriad stacked up uh, dimensions and things of that nature is that that's a lot of stuff going on at once. And we just can't handle that. So psychedelics are just merely a way of accessing what exists but is, is unseen to us. And that's a lot of stuff. That's a great deal of stuff. Part of it is other dimensions or other aspects of being. Part of it is other aspects of ourselves. Part of it is other aspects of, of those that we love. 
and those that we don't love. And that's why uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of research being done right now and it's turning out it's a great, some of these psychedelics are great antidepressants and they're great ways of making people emphatic and things of that nature. And, you know, we're just at the dawn of a new understanding of all this stuff and a new way of using it as a tool to turn us all into the superhumans that we really are, that we're waiting to become. And uh, shouts out to Denver, Colorado, because they just decriminalized mushrooms. So that's going to, you know, there's going to be some, some huge shifts in that area over the coming months and years. The Landy Lodge. How often do you meditate and do you find it boosts your creativity? Uh, meditation is something I need to get a lot better out of. I've only recently been deliberately doing it. Previously, I would find that making music was my meditation because when you're sat there listening to the same thing over and over on a tiny little loop, slightly modifying aspects of it, this becomes a great meditation. This removes everything else. It removes the outside world. It removes all distraction. And it takes you into that place that meditation does. So my music has been my shortcut to transcendence. It's been my pathway to transcendence. It's been my 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 drug it's been my uh sport whatever it is that's how i've done it up until now but now i'm starting to realize well i should this is a pathway it's a superpower it's a thing i could apply everywhere in life if i have the discipline to calm my mind and that was something for a long time i did not have and i'm still really i've got a long way to go on i used to just be like well my mind is naturally busy there's nothing i can do about it this is wrong there's always something you can do about it it just requires discipline that's all. Discipline. Uh, yes. Julian Chow, how did JBP inspire you? In many, 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 many ways. Uh, many, many ways. But the first thing that always pops to mind with Peterson is, is his bravery. His bravery to stand up and tell the truth. In a world where the truth is a dangerous thing. Or can be. But, you know, the more people who do that, the less dangerous it is. So, yeah, it was bra the bravery of Peterson. The bravery, I would say. Um, has Jocko ever mentioned your work on him? It's great. Oh, yeah, Jocko, if you go look at his Twitter feed, um, he, he tweets it a lot. He mentions it a lot. Um, yeah, we're in touch. We're in touch. You know, we're, we, I, did the, I did the record with his permission and blessing. Uh, you know, I, 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 when I'm making albums and stuff based on people, I... I reach out to them and I get their permission if I can. Uh, that's why the Joey Diaz song isn't on Spotify because I haven't yet been able to get in touch with Joey Diaz and get his permission. So I wrote to him, but I didn't hear anything. I'm sure he gets a lot of emails. So I figured, well, I'll put it on YouTube. And if he, if then if people will hear it there and if they like it, they'll send it to him and then maybe he'll hear it. Cause I would really like to do a full length Joey Diaz album if he, if he likes it. So if you're out there and you really like that Joey Diaz song and you want to hear more, then send it to Joey. And uh, yeah, that's how that will happen. Uh, Graveyard Goons, have you read the book Flow or Stealing Fire? Is that the one by Jamie Wheel? I've not read that yet. Um, Julian Boone said, my son is preparing to join the Navy by listening to your Jocko work. Hey, shouts out to your son and shouts out to you for uh, raising this, this son. And thank you. Thank you. Landy Lodge says courage. Yes, this is correct. Courage is, courage is the thing, man. Courage is the superpower. Holy shit. And as I was saying to Hercules the other day, he rang me up. He was all upset so he had to go to the doctor. And I, was, I said, Hercules, you must be brave. And he was like, but I'm scared. I'm like, the only time you can be scared 
Be brave. The only time you can be brave, son, is when you're scared. That's the only time. Otherwise, you're not being brave. You're just being, I don't know, whatever. But you're not being brave. Bravery requires fear. And uh, anyway, he went to the doctor and he was cool. And he sent me the sweetest text message. He said, thank you, Father, for the encouragement. What did he say? The encouragement? I don't know. Anyway, it's very sweet. It's really an amazing thing getting text messages from your six-year-old. <laughs> Particularly because, like, you know, he can't, like, write and read properly, like, fully, very well yet. Uh, so he communicates in, like, speech to text and, emo and emojis. So some things will be wrong and some things will be more right than right. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, multimedia space says, Lolly, Kira sending us to the church of what's happening now. The church! You know, man, when I was living in Colwyn Bay, one of the happiest times of my life, we lived by the beach. We were getting ready to move to America, so we moved to a cheap place in Wales where rent was 500 pounds a month. And, and I just got healthy and ran on the beach and pushed my son up the hill every morning, went to the butcher and uh, ran on the beach every night. And mostly I was listening to the church of what's happening now. That's what I was, that's like 80% of what I was listening to. I was listening to Uncle Joey tell me stories about his life. That's what I'm saying, man. We're made of stories. And uh, just the beginning, I bought this Norm, I bought Norm MacDonald's book based on a true story. The idea is it's not a biography, but as he points out quite early in it, he's like any story you ever hear is not completely true because of the nature of memory. You know, you forget things and you tell stories to yourself. You tell your own stories to yourself and you tell them to the point where you're like, well, is that exactly the way it happened? I'm not sure. And you'll hear the same story from someone else and it'll be completely different. And then you're like, is that the truth or are they embellishing to make it more interesting to tell? Because telling a story, it has to be interesting enough for someone to listen to it. And that becomes the reality. These stories become the truth. Very interesting thing. Um, Alexandro King, is it the same with Joe Rogan? Album with the Joey Diaz. Oh, do you mean is that why the Rogan songs aren't Spotify yet? Yes. Yeah, because I've not yet been in touch with Joe Rogan directly and got his explicit permission to use his voice in that fashion and put it out there. So yeah, there's in that if if a song is only on YouTube, that usually means it's because I haven't got permission yet. And um, yeah, so in that instance, always the thing for you to do is to send the song to the artist in question and explain to them why it's valuable in your life and why it, you know. That sort of thing. Anthony makes videos. When is the Goggins album dropping? They well, it's kind of the same answer. It's uh, we're in the process of uh, of getting permission to do it properly, you know, to do it properly because this is a proper endeavor. This is a professional endeavor, and I want to honor these people, and I don't want to do anything they would be uncomfortable with. You know, it's a sacred thing I'm doing. In sampling a person's voice or using a person's voice in such a fashion, it's a sacred thing because, like I said, this is their story. Stories are what the universe is made of. Stories are the most important thing there is. Using somebody's story, that's the most precious thing they have. Somebody's story, that's all they have. That's one of the things, you know, Joey Diaz is talking about, right? In the song that came out this week. All I have is stupid memories and I treasure them more, cherish them more than anything in the fucking world. That's all you have. You know, that and time. And you can't buy time. You can't buy time. 
you know, this, this thing here, this was a choice to use my time, my precious time, of which I only have so much left. I've only got so many summers left. That's what birthdays remind me of. There's only so many summers left. And I've got to remember that, man, because it's so easy for me. And we all have our crosses to bear and we all have our things. And it's so easy for me to stay in the studio and now I've got to keep working. I've got to keep working and to put off going to the beach with my son and my wife, things of that nature. And I have to remember the importance, the balance of, of you know, spending those summer days wisely. People get so divorced from from the life in in the in their in their quest, in their work quest, that they become so divorced from, from life and from reality and humanity that their work becomes devoid of life and humanity. And then it's useless. Then it's useless. You know? When uh when God sent Christ to earth I like to think of the uh, the Rupert Spira song. I had to become like you so that you could become like me. You know, and that's the Jesus thing. And all of us who are out here are trying to do the work, the work, the work. If we forget why we're doing it and who we're doing it for, and we, and we lose touch with that, then the work becomes useless becomes useless and sometimes it becomes worse than useless it becomes actively evil it becomes actively anti-human garbage and that brings me back to game of thrones damn and we've come full circle and it's 158 p.m and i've got to get back to work <laughs> but i do love spending time with you brothers and sisters so thank you for being here for this little birthday stream uh dandy dan says have you started spinning any meaning wave mixes live yet if so have people received it well no, I've not done any Meaning Wave live shows yet. But it's something that we're building towards, brothers and sisters. We're building towards it. And, uh, you know, we crossed our first million, million plays on Spotify in a month. In a month. Just on Spotify. In the last month, we've done 1.10 million streams from nearly 90,000 humans. 90,000 separate humans. Imagine 90,000 separate humans in an amphitheater. All there for a Meaning Wave show. That would be something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be something? But um, obviously they're from all over the world. But, you know, there are thousands and thousands now of active, separate Meaning Wave listeners in individual towns. If you live in Denver, there's thousands of, of, of your fellow Denver Coloradians who listen to Meaning Wave. Did you know that? Did you know that? So, uh, you know, what we're building towards is a situation where we can go to these towns and we can see, because of the joy of this modern world of, of, uh, of uh, systems, and we can say there's this amount of people here in this town. So we can come to this town. So we're going to start doing that uh, just as soon as there's enough people. And there nearly is. There nearly is. So you keep spreading the good word. You keep sending things to your friends and family. And you keep playing this stuff. And you keep tweeting uh, Joe Rogan or whoever it is. And, uh, and it'll, this is going to materialize. It's this, you know, and we expect it. And you get what you expect or you don't, and don't get upset, as uh, they used to say in my kids' kindergarten. I think it was something like that. <laughs> you get what you get and you don't get upset. Yo, thank you, Sir Peppers, from the birthday cake emoji. That was very sweet. Uh, anyway, yeah. I've got to get out of here. I've got to make some make some music for you guys. Okay? So thank you for being here for this this little this little shindiggery do. 
this cute little shindiggery do and uh yeah stay in touch stay in, get, get on the discord if you're not on the discord link is in the description uh sub subscribe to the patreon if you're not on the patreon uh you can email me akira the don gmail.com you can come see me dj you know the live dj dates for my dj sets they're not meaning wave sets they're like club party sets you can just find those on the website and uh oh yeah you can get like sweet meaning wave merchandise like this 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 dope hoodie that i'm wearing you can do all of that anyway yeah uh thank you for being here this has been uh akira the dawn oh thank you for the super chat scrappy jaw studio says much appreciate you doing this kind of music it's in my rotation with the church worship music on my amazon list also a musician and father husband shouts out to the fathers and the husbands and uh shouts out to keep it in rotation with the worship music jesus you make the darkness tremble that one is on uh, my son has a, has a single worship song on his spotify playlist which is mostly populated by songs about bendy and the ink machine <laughs> And uh, then he's got this one, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble song. And he listens to his Spotify playlist music when he's in the bath and he like acts it out. And sometimes I peek through the door and like watch him. And uh, he's so cute, man. He'd be doing, he'd be acting out all the words to his bendy song. And then his Jesus song comes on and he starts doing this kind of like worshiping maneuvers and meditation things and putting his hands and closing his eyes and looking up. And it's the sweetest goddamn thing. Anyway, yeah, shouts out to uh, Spotify and shouts out to playlists and shouts out to you guys. Shouts out to you guys. We'll be back talky talking. I've got a bunch of dope podcasts lined up with some cool people. So we've got we've got some podcasts coming. Um, I'll let you know what's happening with the Goggins album as soon as I know. I'll let you know what's happening with new music. Uh, there's a bunch of new music coming up. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of uh, AMVs and track videos dropping over the next week. So keep it locked. We just hit 39,000 subs. Shouts out to all the new people. Thank you for being here. Uh, join the Discord. We hang out there and talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, submit your unanswered questions over on the Discord. Yeah. The next one of these will be prepared. So I will take questions in advance and I'll answer them. Rather than just occasionally glancing at the chat. All right. So, yeah. Again, thank you for being here. I've been Akira the Don. Let's go.